Who are they? How did they get here and where are they now? I'm Tyson Chastain, Director of Alumni Relations with Johnson University, and this is the Sojournal Podcast. Sojourner Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University and is brought to you by the Alumni Association. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. Today, we're joined in the Sojournal podcast by 2018 Johnson University, Tennessee graduate, Caleb Mullins. Caleb, welcome to the Sojournal podcast. Hey, Tyson. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time today, Caleb, to be with us. Looking forward to getting into learning a little bit about your journey. So, Caleb, uh, tell me just a little bit about yourself, you know, kind of give me a quick hit, an introduction to people who do not know Caleb Mullins. Yeah. So I grew up in Grayson, Kentucky. Um, which if you're familiar with Grayson, there's another sister school of our theirs um, and grew up uh, really involved in my church there and just kind of decided as I was approaching the end of high school that wanted to kind of get out on my own and and learn a bit and ended up coming to Johnson in 2014, graduated with a degree in preaching and church leadership. Since then, I've stayed in Knoxville. I was the discipleship minister at Westtown Christian Church here in Knoxville for about three years. And at the beginning of 2021, I transitioned into the lead pastor role here at Westtown. So I'm in my second year of that and really enjoying life in Knoxville and serving the church here. I know that you are involved in other projects as well. And as we get through this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about some of those other projects that you're involved in and what you've learned and experienced and how you got involved in those other projects as well. You carry a rather famous last name. (laughs) Any relation? No, as far as I know, that was one of the first questions that somebody asked me when I got to campus was, are you related to Rich? <laughs> I was like, I don't think so. I wish I was, but um, maybe somewhere down the tree we are. Right, right. You have to go do that family history to find out. Just, you know, yeah. he's, he's your third cousin, yeah. twice removed or whatever it is. But yeah, great. Okay. Well, good. Thank you so much for that. So, uh, Caleb, to get started, tell me about your young life. Were you raised in a Christian home from the beginning? Like I said, I grew up in Grayson, um, and I think my mom had me in the nursery at the First Church of Christ in Grayson when I was two weeks old, and pretty much we were super involved there the whole time. My mom's a school teacher. Um, she taught elementary school. My dad worked at the oil refinery um, in Ashland, Kentucky, not too far from there. Mm-hmm. Pretty involved in church growing up. Um, my family, they weren't ministers, um, but they were super involved in the school system and in the community and Uh, My mom coached high school basketball for a while, so just kind of always grew up being around people and kind of got to watch them minister in their own way, right, to their students and Mm -hmm. their their players and things like that. So, yeah, you know, childhood was was really good. Uh, My parents did split when I was, I think, three or four, which was tough. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of been an ongoing struggle throughout my life, but it's been cool to see how God worked through that, but really involved um, at church. I mean, I was playing in the worship band in like middle school, you know, fifth and sixth grade, playing guitar in the worship band. And just over that time became more and more involved. It actually was, I was our interim worship leader for a bit while I was in the eighth grade or freshman year, just, just kind of always seemed like I was getting more and more involved and I loved it. Really enjoyed the chance to serve. 
And uh, it got busy because I'd have basketball, you know, through the week. That was the other big part of my life growing up. We'd have games on Friday and Saturday night and be at church for worship rehearsal at 7.30 on Sunday morning and all of that fun stuff. But it was good. You were a basketball player then? Yeah, it it comes with the territory in Kentucky, I think. Oh, all right, (laughs) right. (laughs) Sort of like being a Hoosier. Right, exactly. Yeah, so my mom played all the way through, and she uh, was the head coach of the high school in town there for several years before I was born. And then a couple years after I was born, she always tells me that some of people's earliest interactions with me were like being in my playpen at the end of the bench. (laughs) (laughs) And, And mom said somebody would come get me out of the playpen, and she would look up in the crowd, and I'm all the way on the other end of the gym. You know, by the end of the game or something. So just kind of grew up in the gym and grew up around that. And that was a big part of my life for a long time. That's fun. I'm curious about these younger years then. If your parents got the divorce at three years old, was your dad an elder or a deacon in the church or anything like that? So it was no, just no. a matter of you guys went to church, first first church of Christ in Grayson. Yeah. So how did that family dynamic for you shift when when your parents got the divorce? This may sound awful, but I don't I don't know that I noticed it as much because I was so young. Right. Uh, but obviously it complicated things. It was kind of a, a, a really big dichotomy where you had my side, my mom's side of the family that was very much involved in church, very strong in that, valued that a lot. And then the other side necessarily didn't. Hmm. Um, so that did get interesting as I started growing up and started feeling more of a pull towards ministry and church work. Not that it was a tension, but it just felt difficult to find common ground, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of been an interesting part of my story where, and especially being at Johnson, where there's so many PKs and you know missionary kids and all this stuff, right? I, I kind of felt like I didn't come from that, which in some ways I, I hope has prepared me for ministry, maybe in a different way. Yes. Right. And in a way that maybe I can empathize with people just you know coming from a different light. Yeah. Yeah, exactly so. So it's obvious then that uh, when your parents had the divorce, you spent most of your time with your mom. You know, you were talking about being on the end of the bench as she's coaching yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Do you still have a relationship with your dad? One that you? My dad ended up moving to a different state. And he moved to Ohio, which really isn't that far if you know where Grayson is in comparison to the Ohio River. It's not that far, but yeah. So we we still have a good relationship, and so it it wasn't like a completely cut off type of thing. Right, right. Just different and a little awkward at times. Right. I imagine that's been an interesting struggle throughout your life then to, you know, you you have this faith identity Mm -hmm. um, and then to bring that into any interaction that you have with your father and his side of the family. How did you find that as a child where you'd like trying to be a witness to their family or were you just kind of like fully respecting them and their independence, just being who you were? You know, that's really interesting. That thought definitely was in my mind a lot as a kid, trying to figure out that tension of, okay, how much do I talk about this? Or And, and as, as I've gotten older, I've kind of settled into, I'm going to hope that the way I live my life can speak for itself. And hopefully, um, and, and it's been interesting. We've had some conversations as I've gotten older that I never would have thought was possible um, as a 10 or 15 year old. But yeah, it was definitely awkward. And then trying to explain why I'm choosing to go to school for ministry and not, you know, go into fill in the blank other job. It's one of the things we don't really feel understood, but you know, you get through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At what point then would you say in your uh, young life did faith 
legitimately become yours. I mean, you latched onto this thing about Christ and you really believed that this was your faith, not just the faith of your mom, you know, and being around church. I would say probably my sophomore, junior year of high school. I was always really involved in church, um, like I said, but when I was younger, I'm not so sure how much of it was I loved worship or if I just loved singing and playing guitar, (laughs) one of those things. But we took a couple of really foundational trips when I was sophomore, junior in high school, Um, a couple of foreign, you know, short-term mission trips and um, just a couple of like CIYs. We actually came to CIY at Johnson a few few years and those experiences kind of opened my eyes a bit. It was interesting too, after my freshman year, our youth minister actually left and went to a a church in Texas. Like my last three years of high school, our youth group was pretty much led by interns from KCU, which was right down the street. And I found myself kind of in that time, especially my junior and senior year, taking on more of a leadership role in that. So at that point, it, it was more my faith is becoming my own. I'm becoming more passionate about it. I'm starting to feel like this may be something that I want to do with my life. And all of a sudden, there's kind of this leadership vacuum um, in our youth group, which was a pretty large youth group for our town. We had about 115, 120 kids showing up on Wednesday nights. Oh, wow. I mean, it was a pretty large youth group. And all of a sudden, there's this leadership vacuum. And so myself and a couple of other guys and girls, along with the interns from KCU, kind of stepped up and, and did it for a while. So it was interesting how God used that void to really push us and prepare us. And, and most of us from that crew are in ministry now. Um, so it's cool to look back and see, you know, oh, Trevor's here, TJ's here. Um, just really neat how God worked through that. I'm really curious about the story of how in the world you came to Johnson. Now, um, <laughs> uh, obviously CIY. So what made your youth group choose CIY at Johnson as opposed to, you know, Lee or Anderson University or wherever it is that CIY may have gone? That's a great question. I honestly have no idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was just an easier drive. You know, I'm I'm not really sure. But we came, I think my freshman year was the first year I came to CIY at Johnson. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, as soon as I was there. And uh, it helped that it wasn't home, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but just being on campus, I felt a real draw. And every year when we came back for CIY, I was, you know, really excited for what was going to happen there, but I was excited to get back at Johnson too. Um, And that just sort of, you know, grew over the years. And I kind of felt like, you know, I had a personal conviction too, that if I were going to grow the way I felt like I needed to, I needed to be away from home. I applied to UK, I think like my sophomore year, because that's just what you do. Johnson was, you know, the only school that I applied to that I really cared about what I got back. Mm. And yeah, so kind of after my junior year, when I applied, got accepted, all that stuff, it was it was full steam ahead. So would you say those CIY experiences were what drew you to Johnson? Yeah, I think so. I I don't know that I would have, you know, experienced the campus you know, the way that, that I did, if it hadn't been for those weeks. So being a uh, high school basketball player, were you ever of the mindset that you wanted to go and play college basketball? I mean, I think I had that mindset. I'm not sure if I was ever good enough. <laughs> it's weird how that all worked out because probably through my freshman or sophomore year, sports were the most important thing to me. And about the time that my, I would say my faith started becoming my own, 
sports started to take less importance. Not that I didn't care. I still enjoyed it. I still loved it, but it just wasn't the number one thing anymore. And that honestly was, you know, that helped with the fact that I had a high school basketball coach who would tell us, you know, Hey, my main job is to make sure you guys know Christ and are good men and good fathers and good husbands. And then we'll play basketball after and this in a public school. Wow. You know, and it's in Eastern Kentucky and it's not as big of a problem there, but you know, there was, there were so many influences in my life during that time, my church influences, my friends that were really starting to take their faith seriously. And honestly, my basketball coach um, was one of the most supportive people in me pursuing ministry, um, me missing practice during the summer for trips or things like that. So I just felt so blessed to have so many influences around me that were supporting me and kind of encouraging me to follow what I felt like God was pulling me into. Did your high school basketball coach go to college at a place you are acquainted with? Um, no, he, he, I think he went to like a smaller school up in West Virginia, um, play basketball up there. And, um, but no, he just, you know, very serious about his faith and really encouraged that in all of us. And so that, that was really special to have that relationship. That's one of the things I think I appreciate about some of the diversity of ministry opportunities mm-hmm. that Johnson has gone into, you know, the sport and fitness leadership, this mm-hmm. idea of coaching or teacher education and physical education. There are opportunities there for a coach to be a witness like your coach was to you. Right, exactly. And honestly, there are maybe more opportunities for people kind of in those public fields, teaching, coaching, to, to reach people that you, you will have a hard time reaching on a Sunday morning. I think that's incredibly valuable. Um, and I can speak from just, like I said, just firsthand, I know what a difference that made for me. And I had the, the, the assistance of already growing up in a Christian family that, that it mattered to mm-hmm. kids that don't have that, man, a coach can, can change their life. A teacher can change their life. So uh, I, I love that that's become such a value at Johnson. So you ultimately ended up uh, selecting Johnson. Wonderful thing. Now, you had experience in church, in uh, worship leading and leading youth group and that kind of thing. So uh, tell me about, you know, your time here at Johnson, socially, academically, spiritually. Um, how did things go here? I, uh, I love my time at Johnson. I didn't know what I was going to major in coming in. Um, I really thought I was going to do worship. My mom said, you know, we were talking about it and she said, you've got a lot of experience leading worship, but what if you ever want to do something else? <laughs> oh, I haven't thought about that. And so she kind of encouraged me to think about the church leadership and preaching um, just to kind of hone those skills. I've not regretted that one bit. That major and, and specifically those church leadership classes just been so valuable for me in the last five years, what I'm trying to learn and figure out, but really just you know, academically, I'm so grateful for the way that uh, professors like Dr. Owens and Dr. Weatherly, specifically, you know, Dr. Reese, just brought the scripture to life in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Mm. Um, and that that just was so valuable. And honestly, those those three guys specifically helped me fall in love <laughs> with Jesus and the scriptures. Um, in a way that I just hadn't experienced up until that point. And so academically, I could not be more thankful 
for what I learned and what I experienced in the classrooms at Johnson. So tell me about specific classroom memories. Do you, is there anything that jumps out at you from Dr. Reese's class or from Jody's class or from Dr. Weatherly's class? Yeah. Well, I know my first class that I ever had on campus was 735 Pentateuch with Dr. Owens. <laughs> and before I went to class, I thought this is going to be terrible. I was like, I don't, I mean, Genesis and Exodus will be fine, but once we get to Leviticus, <laughs> that's going to be really hard to wake up for it, you know, 730. Again, just the way that, you know, those early mornings that Dr. Owens just kind of brought those texts to life was amazing. And same with Dr. Reese, you know, I, you don't really study the prophets a lot in your youth group growing up, but man, just that semester with him learning about the prophets, learning about Isaiah, um, seeing how that stuff is still so applicable now was just fantastic. I'm so grateful for it. Dr. Weatherly, I, I don't know what I learned more in his class, you know, uh, theological knowledge or sarcasm, but I'm grateful for both. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, my junior and senior year, I spent a lot of time with Dr. Wedley because I had you know, Greek with him and then we had Luke Acts, we had prison epistles, all that stuff. So just uh, getting to benefit from his, his knowledge and his, you know, diverse experiences and things were something I'm really grateful for too. <laughs> That's great. You know, some of the things that jump out to me, I never had Weatherly or Owens as a faculty member. I mean, they, those two guys came after I got yeah. through my undergraduate degree, but I did have Doc Reese. Do you remember Jade Jets Go See? I should. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the judges. So hey, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All I can remember is Jade Jets Go See, but you told me <laughs> to name the judges. I'm, I'm, I've kind of lost a lot of that. So. I do remember that if we were stuck on a, a question on a test, if we wrote Pink Floyd, he would give us credit for one question. So <laughs> yeah. he kind of passed on his Pink, his Pink Floyd love to us. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, I love it. You know, when you hear stories like that, you recognize that while, you know, as students, we see these guys as um, just spiritually, you know, strong and scripturally strong, but they're just you know, average guys like yep. the rest of us that, you know, they have their things that they enjoy in life and, mm -hmm. you know, their, their things that they don't like and what have you. And that's, yeah. I've been really grateful specifically with Dr. Owens just the last few years that we just kind of continue to stay in touch. And mm. you, you do get that side, you know, where you get to see, okay, you know, these are people, they're, they're wise and they're smart and I'm grateful for, you know, their influence on me, but they care about football and fishing and whatever. Too, you know. <laughs> so do you go to any of Jody Owens's retreat? I think so. The first time I went was probably it was pre COVID. So 2019, maybe. And that was just a great experience. I don't know um, if anybody's listening to this took Jody's spiritual formation class um, while they were at Johnson, but that was uh, again, kind of a transformational semester for me. Um, just kind of diving into stuff like Dallas Willard and um, celebration of discipline and um, really, really strong stuff. But the retreats have been really impactful for me. Just the value of getting away for a few days. Um, we spend e evening to morning in silence the first night. Just things I'm not really used to, but just having gone through it, I can see the value of it. Yeah, I think that's a great opportunity for people if they're in ministry, you know, if you're a, a pastor or you're an elder or whatever, 
or your ministry spouse even, right? <laughs> try and try and get to one of those because I think it's just uh, it'll fill you up and send you back encouraged and excited about what you're doing. So uh, that was academically. What about uh, socially? What what did you do here as a student? Socially was was interesting. I I have been in public school my whole life, um, so it was kind of a a bit of a culture shift, you know. But I'm it's one I'm grateful for. But yeah, I uh, my my roommate was Noah Nelson. He graduated in 2018 too. He's a international studies major. And uh, what was interesting was he's actually from the church in Texas that my youth minister moved to, how we met and became roommates. But yeah, just really made some great friends and some friends that kind of as my life has gone on post Johnson have really been rocks for me um, in some tough times. Hmm. Uh, Noah Nelson, Brian Shambari, Ben Lutz. Um, I'm not sure what junior he is on the scale, but the, <laughs> the youngest of the Ben Lutz so far. Um, I think that was three. Yeah, yeah, the third. Yeah, so yeah, and and like Jordan uh, Jordan Vangan now, Jacob Vangan, Jacob Vangan, yeah, yeah. Um, Alyssa Fithian, just some really important friendships that have been valuable not only while we were there and hanging out and goofing off and whatever, but as we've all kind of grown up in life and have gone through, you know, good things and bad things, that community has been there for me. Um, and I think that's the real value of the Johnson community is you're not just making friends, you're making a community that'll last way beyond, you know, when you graduate. And I couldn't be more grateful for that. Did you get involved in any intramural sports? Did you help lead chapel, worship, those kinds of things? Yeah, so I, we played. I played intramural sports the whole way through, um, which was really fun and got maybe more competitive than it should have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. And then I I did play in chapel a few times. I kind of went through this weird phase where I wasn't playing music as much while I was at school, um, but I played in chapel a few times and. I was SGA president my junior year. Um, that was fun. So yeah, I got involved in a, a few different things on campus and really was thankful for those activities. The chance to uh, hang out with other people, get involved in stuff on campus. Um, that was that was really good. I really enjoyed that. How did your life develop spiritually uh, while you were on campus? You know, how did it shift from freshman year to senior year? I mean, obviously you take you take these biblical classes, you take things like spiritual formation with Jody Owens, uh, you go to chapel every day, but tell me about your personal spiritual development through your years at Johnson. I think what, what really changed for me was faith. It became less of a knowledge thing and more of the lived experience thing, especially if you grew up in the church, it's really easy to, you know, you get a gold star in Sunday school, right? If you memorize all the answers and, 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 and I learned so much and, and gain so much knowledge, but I think the wisdom of professors and, and leaders on campus and stuff really showed us how to translate that knowledge into the way we live. And obviously nobody's perfect at that. I'm definitely not. But I think just being able to see people that are very smart and, and know the Bible very well, but also have an incredibly close walk with Jesus, that's what inspired me the most. And I hope that 20, 30, 40 years from now, that my faith may look the same way. That's kind of how it's changed for me, going from more of a head thing to a heart thing. 
And I know that's kind of a cliche way to put it, but I really think that's what the most, you know, transformational thing for me was. And, and being able to walk with other people that were going through the same thing to be, you know, my friends, to be able to watch them go through that journey too was helpful because we got to do it together going through, you know, dating and getting married and watching all that, just kind of watching people that I care about and love go on this journey together. That was what was so beneficial for me. And I, and I think still even now. I like the way you put that. I mean, you say it's cliche, but from a, from a head thing to a heart thing, I seem to see a lot of students that come in who are raised in the church who are all about knowing the right things. You know, until you process knowing the right things into being the right person, the the knowledge doesn't do you any good. Yeah, and that's so important. I don't know if that's just a Christian church thing or if that's every branch thing that we just kind of, you know, we make knowledge the center point. And there's nothing wrong with knowledge. Knowledge is good. Knowledge, you know, builds up. But do our hearts really know who Jesus is? Are they in line with his? I think that's where the difference comes in. And I definitely got to see that on display in professors and administrators and, you know, faculty. Just I think that spirit was really strong mm-hmm. during my time at Johnson. I'm just uh, I, can't, I couldn't be more thankful for it. Good stuff. I love it. And I agree with you. I mean, you know, my experience and journey at Johnson took place. You know, I graduated 18 years before you did. But still, it was the same sort of thing of these mm-hmm. professors who knew. But yet it was. Uh, I, I think you, you started to sort of allude to it there. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Yeah, and that's right. that's what I learned here with these uh, faculty and staff and whatever. Is uh, This is an exceptional community, and it's a community that, yeah, there are a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge, and some may want to beat you over the head with it, but there is a community full of love and mercy and acceptance and you know, people who hold you accountable at yeah. the same time, but they don't compromise their love for you just because they're yeah. holding you accountable to some. And the humility too. I think that I probably came in a little too high on my horse. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of that's a common freshman theme. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so being able to see these people that really have a lot of reason to be high on their horse, just be so humble. And that's that's humbling, you know, for a student who probably needed to be humbled a little bit. And, and for the rest of us, too, just to see the way, you know, folks with experience and knowledge and wisdom lead and love the students they serve so humbly is uh, it's really powerful. Great. OK, so, Caleb, in your time as a student, did you meet anybody special, latch on to anybody for a long yeah. time? My sophomore year uh, started, you know, met somebody, started dating and. Um, that kind of developed uh, even at a distance for a while. They graduated and were, you know, working at a church uh, out of state. Um, so that was kind of a, a long distance thing for a bit. And, you know, got married the week before Thanksgiving, my senior year. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So it was kind of a weird year there where I was in the dorm for half the year, then moved out. And, but yeah, so that was a pretty big part of my Johnson story too. Just that whole, you know, development. And sadly, that didn't last another more recent part of my story. But yeah, that was a, that was a a big part of my time there. And, you know, something I'm really grateful for. Now you said from a distance, was she living elsewhere or? Um, So she graduated before me and was doing uh, worship uh, ministry at a church in Ohio for about a year and a half until we got married. So there was a year and a half there, but we were 
long distance and driving back and forth to see each other every weekend and you know the way that goes so yeah so that was that was that was tough but it was good um okay so as you're approaching graduation then you ended up getting your degree in preaching and church leadership so how did you discern what your next step was after graduation that was really difficult for me because i i went through a phase and and honestly i'd still love to do this at some point but i felt really strongly that i wanted to teach my kind of plan was you know i'll graduate from johnson i'll go to grad school um, do an ma or an mdiv and then start working towards being able to teach and so that was kind of my plan um, we were we were going to get married you know in november finish the semester i was going to figure out where i was going to grad school and go from there the week before i came back to school my senior year i get an email from ron bull that some of you may know from westtown christian church here in knoxville uh, saying they were looking for a preaching intern for the coming school year and they wanted to know if i'd be interested and at first i don't know if I'm, i don't even know if i've told them this at first i was not interested at all <laughs> just because i you know i kind of knew what i wanted to do i kind of had my mindset on where i was going and but i had lunch with them and it was ron bull george clark and dean nestor all three johnson guys um you guys may know them and this is Westtown Christian Church, right? Yes, yeah, Westtown Christian Church um, okay. here in Knoxville. Just fell in love with them. Just could kind of tell that that their heart was kind of in the same space as mine, and what they um, valued about ministry in the church. And uh, so I, I decided to do it. It didn't hurt that they were paying me because we were going to money to money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helped. But just for that year, from September of 2017 to you know, through the rest of that school year, I was preaching at Westtown once a month and they were so gracious in the sense of, you know, they wanted me here for staff meetings. They wanted me in preaching meetings. They were encouraging me to speak up and share what I thought. And that was different for me. You know, here I'm 21, 22, and these guys have been in ministry for 25, 30, in George's case, 40 years almost at that point. And they actually wanted me to contribute to the conversation. And so that meant a lot to me. And over the course of that year, and I was here every Sunday, um, like I said, preaching once a month. And over the course of that year, I started to feel strongly that I wanted to stay here, which was very different. I wasn't planning on staying in Knoxville. I love Knoxville, but I also like to move around and explore. And, you know, I was looking forward to kind of that next phase. And just over that year felt like ah, I, I want to stay. And it got to be spring of 2018. And I had had some other churches that I had talked to and were had kind of offered me a few jobs. And I was trying to like hold them off as long as I could because I wanted to know if Westtown had anything for me. And February or March of that year, they offered me the job as a discipleship minister when I graduated and said yes. And you know, I've been here ever since. Didn't want to stay here. Wasn't really sure that I wanted to do specifically church ministry. It was really focused on teaching. I'm just so thankful that uh, I've landed where I've landed. That seems especially true in light of, uh, in light of your journey, you know, mm-hmm. that you, that you've landed where you have and have the team around you that you have. So you said that you had sort of in your mind, this idea of going to grad school, maybe get an NMA or an MDiv or what have you. Did you have a school in mind that you were going to pursue? I looked at a manual um, at the time that was close to my wife's hometown was actually there so that, you know, we, we talked about that. There were a couple other places I was interested in, 
Duke has a, a hybrid MDiv. Um, and these are all places now where I'm at in life that I'm actually still thinking about. Mm. Um, Vanderbilt, Lipscomb. Um, so just a couple of different places that I was looking into. And but kind of like I said, the more and more I felt like I wanted to stay here, the less that those places became a priority. So you were then a discipleship minister from graduation until when? Until January 1st, 2021, which <laughs> is not the best time to transition. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say so. Um, yeah. And it's such a wild story because we had been talking about this transition between George and I here at West Town for you know, about a year. We just kind of started the conversation at the end of 20, um, 2019, middle, middle of 2019, I'm not sure. And, uh, you know, people who don't know, George had been at West Town, has been at West Town for, it was, he was a senior minister for 35 years by the time he retired. So there's a lot of pressure in that in right. general, following somebody who's so loved and deservedly so. Um, has just been such a strong leader for this church. And uh, so there's there was that pressure of it. Um, there was the pressure of I'm the youngest person on staff <laughs> by about, you know, seven years. And that's scary because I had no idea what I was doing. I'm still not sure that I do, but I'm trying. And then you throw a pandemic into the middle of it. It was kind of hectic. Um, it was not the ideal time to transition from an outside perspective, just with right. so much going on. But it's been really cool how I feel like God prepared us for that. Well, it's great. I mean, it's it's good to see that transition. And interesting that that happened when it did. I mean, uh, discipleship minister, I mean, that's a lot of face-to-face with individuals. And mm-hmm. uh, the pandemic sort of shut down a that's lot of that fun. face-to-face yeah. stuff. So. Small groups aren't meeting. People aren't getting together. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big shift. And I kind of had my foot in both camps at that point, too, because we had, like I said, kind of made that decision in towards the end of 2019. So at that point, I was kind of already being handed some different things. Like I started leading the preaching team. I started, you know, kind of getting involved in some more leadership conversations. So that was a weird world to live in for about a year and a half where I'm taking on more and and stepping towards this leadership role, but also still handling discipleship stuff. And it was an interesting time, but um, hopefully there won't be anything quite as uh, a struggle on quite that large of a scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, maybe those of us who've you know ministered through that or in whatever capacity or maybe more prepared for it. So how have you found uh, the preaching ministry to be now that you've been at it for a couple of years? I've, I've loved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I love teaching. I love preaching. Um, what's really surprised me the most is just how much I've loved getting to know people and being a part of people's lives. That was, you know, the pastoral care side of things was probably what I would have been the most concerned about just because I don't know how, how great I am at that sort of thing. But that's been a real blessing for me um, just to build some really great relationships with people here. And, and honestly, I feel like that has helped my preaching and my teaching because over the last five years, I've gotten to know who I'm preaching and teaching too. Um, and so as, you know, we kind of get to know ourselves and, and see how God's kind of wired our church and knowing the struggles and the heartbreaks and, and that sort of thing. And, and, the, and the good things too, the victories and the celebrations, I think it's allowed me to teach in a way that, that is maybe more contextual to who we are and where we're at, but hopefully 
you know, ministers to our church a little bit better than when I first came in and was just kind of teaching from an outside perspective. You had mentioned, sadly, the marriage did not last. So that has come to a conclusion somewhat recently. So yeah. when, when did that happen? Yeah, I mean, just officially just in the last few months. So it, it really had been in process for about a year without getting into too much. But yeah, just in the last few months, it you know was official. To imagine going through that process for a year in the midst of, you know, trying to come out of a pandemic and you're still so, sort of fresh in this preaching role. And yeah, I, d- I don't want to go into the details of that. Yeah. That's not the purpose of this question. But uh, I am curious to know, you know, how you personally wrestle with it. I mean, you know, divorce is uh, a stigma. It's not right. a pleasant thing. There will be people in this world who would judge any Christian who gets a divorce and judge mm-hmm. them quite harshly. Uh, yet you find yourself at a church and surrounded by people who are obviously ministering to you at yeah. this time. So tell me about those things in your yeah. life. Yeah. So I want to say all of this with as much grace and respect as possible. This has been a really tough journey, but I'm grateful for the good parts of that journey. I, you know, I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, but it is, it is tough uh, to be, I mean, you, you want to talk about the the four kind of pressures from every side, the pandemic, the, 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 the age transition, following somebody that's been there for 35 years. And then, you know, this situation, it's tough. I offered to step down here. Um, I don't know how many people know that, but they wouldn't let me. I, I do believe our elders handled this with as much grace and love for both people as possible. I'd be disappointed if I found out otherwise. And I've told them that. <laughs> so my biggest concern for the church was I don't want to hurt the church. I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to, um, I don't want to be, a, I don't want this situation to be a stumbling block. Regardless of whether I would have stayed in this position or not, I would still be here just because of the way that these people particularly have held me up during a very tough time. And I think regardless of how this impacts my future or whatever, it's like, that's, that's a whole separate conversation. It's like, but in the middle of this, I have seen the grace of God's people and the faithfulness of God's people and of God. But like so often we hear horror stories of how the church can be, you know, so judgmental and crude and, you know, um, disown people and that like that can happen. I know those stories are out there and I, I hate that that is the way that it is in certain cases, but I mean, my faith in the church has just been renewed um, so much through this experience. A lot of shame, a lot of questions about my own worthiness to be in ministry, my own ability, um, my own character, even, you know, there's just so much that goes into it, but taking me out of the equation my faith in God and God's people has just been so strengthened through this. So if I never preach another sermon, I would be grateful for the way my faith has been impacted through this. I mean, that's good. I think you've said enough there and I don't want to scratch open wounds that I know are still fresh. Uh, But I think it is refreshing to, you know, to just recognize that we are humans on the journey and sometimes God's people can be tremendous in the way they respond to such things. So. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is, it is life. Sadly, none of us are immune to human things. 
No, I mean, you know, you don't go into the, those sorts of things like weddings, marriages. You don't go into those sort of things thinking they are ever going to end. You know, you, you don't have a child thinking that something might happen to them right. before they come to adulthood. I mean, a lot of people go through a lot of things. And uh, yeah, the, the ministry of the church is just so invaluable. Never would have chose this for myself. I pray that it will help me empathize with people in our community on a way that I couldn't before. I think that that can be a challenge for those of us in ministry who, who may live, you know, we're not immune to divorce, death, all the, all, we're not immune to those things, but we can be insulated from it. Mm-hmm. I pray that kind of being thrown into that fire a little bit, if nothing else can help me minister to people who have experienced similar things in a, in a more helpful way than before. I, I really appreciate that perspective oh, over time. One of the key verses that have sort of helped me recognize the way the Lord uses or the way the Lord leads through troubles, hardships in my own life mm-hmm. is God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort yeah. those in, in their troubles, yeah. their struggles. I, I see that and I see how God is going to use you in that. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that you have that perspective. Okay, let's go on to something a little bit more cheerful. <laughs> You said that your music kind of waned during your college years, but I happen to know that there is a certain musical group out there <laughs> called, let's see, it's it's Caleb Mullins and The Witness. Yeah. Um, and, and you all, I mean, you aren't just kind of a fly-by-night group of fun folks. I mean, you all travel and actually <laughs> do a lot of music. So tell me about Caleb Mullins and The Witness. Yeah, so that, um, the really cool things post-college was, started playing music a lot more. I just got back into it. Um, especially like I said, Kinsey's very musical and Mm. family. This is something we did together. And, uh, I've always kind of written songs, but never recorded them. Never anything like that. Post-college, we just started playing so much and I was writing so much more and just thought, well, you know, why not? We'll record a little five song, six song EP thing. We did it in my house. We put it out in May of 2020 which was, again, a great time to release anything. We didn't plan that well. We said, you know, it'd be cool once things kind of go back to whatever the normal looks like after this, if we just played a couple shows just to play the songs that we worked on. You know, it was us and a couple folks from our worship team here at church um, that just, you know, played on it, record on it. So we played a couple of shows at the end of 2020, just outdoor shows. And we found out we actually really liked playing Last year, as things kind of opened back up, we played more and more around Knoxville um, at a few different places. And this year has just been insane. I mean, it's almost every weekend. And here, just in the next few weeks, we'll be in Boone, North Carolina, Nashville, Atlanta, Morristown. I mean, so it's 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 really kind of taken off in a way we didn't expect it to. I'm, I'm having so much fun doing it. And it's really been a kind of a cathartic thing for me, just in light of you know, some of the, the pain and stuff that have this to, to dive into, but it is weird preaching on Sunday morning. And then knowing that I was out till 11 o'clock last night playing in a bar downtown. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, thing, but honestly, it's been so much fun and, and we've been able to meet some people and make friends and that we never would have, you know, had the opportunity to meet if we weren't doing this. I didn't realize this, but there's been such a tradition of like great uh, ministers that have worked here that are also great artists. Greg Adkins, 
Um, I know Mark Nelson, you know, did a lot of traveling uh, music stuff with his youth groups for a while, just folks that have kind of been here. And again, that's um, wild how God works things out. There's a tradition of, of that here. In other places, I would be kind of concerned. You know, I don't want to, you know, freak people out, out that the minister's taking the worship band out to... <laughs> to Barley's in the evenings and plan, but here it's, it's, it's a cool thing. It's encouraged. And that's been really uh, reaffirming for me in terms of that, you know, musical gift and using that. Has it been an opportunity for you to live out your faith, demonstrate that? I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, some of our original stuff, none of it is explicitly faith-based, but if you listen, like there's, you, hear the you can tell what we're talking about, you know, we'll be at Scholl's Brow or something downtown and, you know, we're sitting here singing a song about what good is it for a man to gain the world yet lose his soul. You know, if anybody really listens, they might catch what we're picking up on. And and just again, like the people we've been able to meet, the friends we've made, we wouldn't have met them were it not for this. And so it, it is a cool way for for me and for the rest of our team to really flex the muscle of learning how to connect with people and minister to people in a different context. So that's that's been really neat. So one of the things I know about Caleb Mullins and The Witness is that you all are, you know, I put out a note on uh, Johnson's alumni Facebook page. So it's kind of a general page where I kind of share alumni news or share things, you know, alumni events at Johnson, what yeah. have you. And I had put out a, a call to uh, alumni saying, hey, tell me about an alumni led yeah. music group to come yeah. to our alumni fall weekend crickets nobody responded to anything except one person and the only thing they said was caleb mullins and the witness and they linked your facebook page and so uh you know i jumped over there listened to a couple of the the tunes that were kind of available it's like oh man this is great i I so (laughs) wish we could have worked it out but unfortunately the night that i need you you all are going to be in atlanta which you said was one of those shows coming up you know, since since I can't have you at Johnson University, Tennessee, I do want to make sure our audience knows that Caleb Mullins and the Witness is going to be appearing at the concourse here in Knoxville, Tennessee on October 13th. The concourse is in the 4000 block of North Broadway. Definitely recommend that you uh, come to encourage Caleb and his band. And as I understand it, this this concert that's coming up at the concourse is actually an album release concert for you all. So tell me about that album. Tell me about, you know, a song or so on the album. Yeah, it is. It's an album release party. Uh, we're releasing an album on October 14th, that night at midnight, actually, um, called Old Ghosts, New Stories. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about that. We That's pretty much been our whole summer. So we've been working on. <laughs> it's taken two or three months and Fridays and Saturdays that we'll record during the day and go play somewhere at night. And but yeah, there's there's a, a song on there specifically called Human. The the bridge of that song just kind of repeats over and over. I know you're recreating me. That's that's the line for the bridge. That's just been, you know, especially important for me right now. But I think for a lot of us, you know, we the old has passed away, the new has come. And that's just been something that I've kind of clung to this year. And uh, I think that's hopefully a a promise that, you know, we can all find some kind of hope in. Um, so that's kind of the theme of that song, just stepping into what's new and trusting that that God through his spirit is is making each of us new. Um, so that one's not out yet. It'll come out in October. But yeah, so we're, we're excited about that one. So Caleb, is there any chance that I could ask you to let us hear a snippet of <laughs> that that song, Human? 
We could probably work that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, for for those of you listening in there, here is a snippet of the new song from Caleb Mullins and the Witness called Human. And I know you're recreating me. And I know. So through this uh, interview, Caleb, you know, we've learned uh, a bit about your journey and how important that song is to what, you know, you've gone through. So uh, thank you for sharing that little snippet with us. And, you know, I hope that I can make October 13th work. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you're out there listening to this podcast, please consider uh, going to the concourse on October 13th to listen to Caleb Mullins and the Witness and get the rest of that song, Human, and and the other songs that are on this new album. You said called Old Ghosts, New Stories. Old ghost news stories. So get your tickets. You get them in advance. It's only $10, but it's 15 at the door. So where would they need to go to buy tickets to this album release party? And where can people go to find Caleb Mullins and the Witness Music? One thing I want to say real quick is another Johnson alumni, Noah Pryor. Um, if you guys know Noah and his wife, they're going to be one of the opening acts that night. Oh, um, is that right? Yeah. You know, several Johnson alumni on the stage. Jonathan Tibbetts, um, if you all know him. Vance and you know the Tibbets are pretty big uh -huh. family there at Johnson. Uh, jo Jonathan plays on our band too, so it'll kind of be a JU night. <laughs> oh, that sounds know, great at the concourse. But yeah, you can go to concoursenox.com uh, and find the event there. Um, you can buy your tickets there, and uh, if you want to hear our music, pretty much anywhere you you listen to music, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, um, even YouTube, like you can search us, and you'll be able to find what we put out so far and uh, see when the rest of the stuff comes out in a couple of months. Well, I'm so looking forward to it. Now that I know it's going to be a Johnson night, <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can to promote that here at the university. And, uh, you know, we'll see if we fun. can get some people out there. That sounds like a great time. So, Caleb, this has been a blast. And people who listen to the podcast have no idea how much I'm going to have to edit out of our conversation. Oh, <laughs> uh, but before I let you go, I do want to ask you two more questions that I've been asking all of our podcast guests. So the first question is, considering everything that you have experienced in your journey thus far, what is something that you've learned that you would really want to impress upon other people, whether that be, uh, you know, freshmen at college or new graduates or just you know, the church in general, what's, what's something that uh, you would want to make sure other people knew? Jesus is faithful. There's so much emphasis on our faith in him and that's crucial, but you don't realize how literal he means. I won't let one sheep be plucked from my hand. Right. <laughs> um, mm. Until you go through something tough. And so just that idea to know that, you know, no matter what is going on with you, 
He still has a hold of you. He's still beside you. If I could tell anybody anything, it would be that. And that's good. And that means something when it comes from somebody who, you know, is going through those kinds of struggles. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Caleb, again, thank you for your time. Last question. I'm going to give you a moment to think about while I do a commercial. (laughs) Pretend, if you will, that for the next 60 seconds, everybody in the world is listening to the podcast. Caleb Mullins has 60 seconds to address the world and say anything he wants to say. What are you going to tell the world in 60 seconds? While you think about your answer, let me remind our listeners that the Sojourner podcast has been brought to you by the Alumni Association of Johnson University. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more about the Alumni Association at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. So Caleb Mullins, a 2018 graduate of Johnson University, Tennessee, who has only had ministry experience at one church, at least as far as being a graduate at Westtown Christian Church in West Knoxville here in Tennessee as discipleship minister and lead minister. Also, uh, I guess you're the lead singer of Caleb Caleb (laughs) Mullins and The Witness. Caleb, it's been fun getting to know you today, but now you have 60 seconds to address the world. What are you going to say? I would, I, I think I would just challenge people to, to ask the question who they're being led by. There's so many, and I think even especially for, for followers of Jesus right now, there are so many voices um, from so many different spectrums, whether that's politically or socially or whatever, that are competing for our attention and that are really competing for our devotion as polarized as everything has been for the last few years, I think the question we really need to ask ourselves is who who's leading us? Um, whose voice are we actually listening to? Is it Jesus's or is it, you know, fill in the blank. So I think just being able to ask ourselves that question and, and, and recenter on the, you know, the good shepherd, you know, being sheep who know his voice and follow his voice is the most important thing that I can think of for us right now. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Caleb, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time this morning. This has been a lot of fun getting to know you. I really appreciate your heart and what you're sharing. And, uh, you know, God bless you and your ministry at Westtown and your work with Caleb Mullins and The Witness. Yeah, thank you for being my guest today on the Sojourner Podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciated it. The Sojourner Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University. Edited by Lena Gavorsky. Podcast graphics by Rachel Woolard. Music by Loyal Love. Tune in to other Sojourner Podcasts dropping normally weekly on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening.